Um, turn to Mark 6, though. That's where we're going to be. We've been talking about Mark now for some months. Um, Matthew did a great job last week. Um, just, just kind of talking. It's so funny how you can have someone preach about a passage, but all week my, my wife and I have been concerned with something Matthew said in the very beginning of his talk over at uh, Terry Road. Is that we, we're concerned that we don't feel uncomfortable um, with ourselves in appearance with God. Like in our relationship, uh, like mine and God relationship, I wonder sometimes this week why I'm not more uncomfortable with that. Like why I'm not seeing more of my, my selfishness or more of my sin. I'm just kind of going through and, and almost coasting through, right? And so then uh, I'm dealing with that all week and I'm, I'm trying to prep a little bit for this week, for today. And so we're going to read a big chunk of this story. And it's an entertaining story. I, I like it very much. So we'll just read the whole thing, but we're going to kind of settle on one thought that's kind of haunted me all week. Okay. And I just want to share it with you. Maybe that's so we can both learn together a little bit. Um, so let's turn to Matthew, uh, Mark six. Some of you may have heard this story. It's pretty intriguing. Starting in verse 30. It says this, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves on a boat to a solitary place. But many who were leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of Jesus. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd, harassed and helpless. So he began teaching them many things. All right, quick pause with this. This isn't where we're going to stay, but just quick pause because it's interesting to me. Jesus, is. it seems like he's had a lot of the people, right? So many people are around Jesus. So much is happening around him in his life. He's healing lots of people. He's doing amazing things, throwing demons out of folks, getting run out of his hometown, pretty much. All these things. And he's exhausted, okay? Jesus has kind of had it socially. He's like, this is all I've got time for and energy for. I'm exhausted. I don't even have time to eat. Let's, let's go somewhere. I have to get alone. I have to get away. I can't do this right now, right? So he goes on a boat with his disciples. So awesome. He just wants to get away. And what happens? Everyone sees him, runs ahead from all the towns in the area. So tons of people. And they're there when he gets there to be alone, all right? That's funny to me, because if I try to get alone, and then there's like 19 people at a surprise birthday party when I'm trying to get alone, I want to punch 19 people right then, right? Like, I'm not compassionate on them because they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. No, I'm very sad that I don't get alone time, and I'm going to make everyone sad that I didn't get alone time, right? So, but Jesus doesn't do this, obviously. He sees them, he's like, oh, I, I love them, I have compassion. He teaches, and then it goes on. This is probably part of the story we've heard or know. Um, but by the time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him, this is a remote place. They said, which is funny. They're like, we're out in the middle of nowhere. Jesus. It's like, are we? Yeah, I got that. Um, this is, this is a remote place and it's already very late. Let's send the people away so they can go to the countryside and villages by themselves and get something to eat. And Jesus says to them, you give them something to eat. And they swim. Um, but Jesus, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to spend that much on bread and then feed all these people? And Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? He says, go and see. So they went out, five and two fish, they said. 
Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. Interesting to me that he paints a picture of green grass, honestly. I just wants us to see the picture. Mark just wants to tell a really good story, right? Um, have them sit in the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave thanks and broke the loaves. I read that twice. Then he gave them to his disciples to sit before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was about 5,000. Now let's do another quick break on this. Um, I have no idea why this story kind of isn't a big deal to some of us. I think it's because we heard it. Or if you were in vacation Bible school one day, you made like a macaroni fish or something with like 200 little macaronis. And your teacher was like, see, you couldn't feed this many macaronis to 5,000 people. And you're like, oh, yeah, my fish is blue. That's awesome. So we we've like been taught this so much or something that it's not a big deal that Jesus made thousands of fish sandwiches with these people like. He was like, how many fish do you have? And they said, two. He said, how many loaves of bread? And they said, five. And he's like, ah, then let's all sit down for dinner. And they did. Like, that's crazy. Everyone's just kind of like, yeah, I know. I know he did. No, no. He, he, that's crazy. But every, no one else, everyone else is cool with the story but me, apparently. Everyone's like, I know. That's pretty awesome. It's rad. But really, he does this, okay? Probably freaks everybody out. Or it just gets lost in the shuffle because they have no idea where he got all the fish. Like, man, Jesus has money. We don't know about it. Or the fish were tuna or something. Like, it's just, it's a weird story in my brain. Like, two nights ago, I was thinking about the story, and it freaked me out in my head. So, he does this, and then we have another also crazy story right after this, okay? Mark just blows on through that one and talks about another one and says this in 45. Immediately, meaning there's not a lot of time here in between what he's doing and the next thing, thus immediately... Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on the mountainside to pray. Now, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on the land. And he saw his disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them Another crazy part of the story. See you guys. And he's going, right? He's about to pass by them, but they see him walking on the lake and they thought he was a ghost. They cry out because they saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, no, no, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. I'm just walking on water, hanging out near you to me. It's like, Jesus, what did you think they were? Gonna... Like, you're smarter than me, but woof, right? So take courage as I don't be afraid. Then he climbs into the boat with them. The wind dies down. They were completely amazed. 52. For they did not understand about the loaves. Okay. Jesus sees his friends out on a boat. He sends them out. It's tough on them. They can't row as fast as he can walk on a lake, right? So they're rowing. He goes out. He's like, oh, I'll go. I'll go see them. He decides in the middle of it, I'll just keep going. I don't want to sit with them anymore right now. For some reason, he's going to keep going. They see Jesus and flip out completely, right? They, grown men in a boat, cry out and scream, it's a ghost. 
and it looks just like Jesus, that, you know, whatever. So that all happens. Jesus is like, no, no, no. Don't be afraid. It's just me. Why don't you recognize me? It's just me. I'll get in the boat with you. So he climbs in the boat with them. They're still a little freaking out. The wind stops and everything's good in their day. Everything's nice again. Jesus is there. He's not a ghost, you know, at this point. He's not walking past them to get to the shore. He's not doing all this. And the story is overwhelming, right? To me, there's so much to talk about. I think it's hilarious in my brain because my brain is crazy. It's a great story. But then this week, reading the story, Scripture, like, completely attacks myself with the very last verse in that little story. All these things happen. Jesus feeds more than 5,000 people with some fish sandwiches. He walks out onto water, scares his friends to death, is like, oh, sorry, no, don't be scared. It's me. And then Mark gives us an insight, I think, to all of us. He says, here's the deal. The reason they didn't understand what they were seeing The reason they couldn't fully enjoy watching their friend and master Jesus come spend time with them and stop the sea from howling is because they didn't understand what he had just done. Another translation that I enjoy says, for they failed to contemplate the loaves and the fishes. They failed to contemplate the loaves and and the fishes. You know what? If there's a disease of our time, if there is a diagnosis over the emotional distress and complete craziness and disease of our culture, it is that we fail at being contemplative people. As a whole, we are uncontemplative people. We don't sit and think through anything. The disciples, Jesus' 12 closest people, watch him do something amazing. As much time as it takes them to get to the other side of the lake, they've fully forgotten how that matters in their life. They've watched him do something ridiculous, and then the next thing he does... They're so taken back by it, they don't even recognize that it's him working in their lives in the first place. And Mark says, the reason is, is because they failed to contemplate Jesus' actions. They failed to sit and think it through. And so what I just want us to talk about is that one phrase. I just want us to talk through, they failed to contemplate the loaves. All right? That's, that's what we're going to do. And I... Disclaimer in the beginning, I'll probably talk a lot about my own life and my own way of contemplating things. That's not to tell you that I've got it and I'm contemplating. I'm kind of telling you what I hope to become, okay? So when I say that, don't, don't take that as me saying you should be like me in this way, okay? Please don't do that. That's not, that's not it, okay? But I just want to talk about some goals that, that I have in my life and some different things. But So let's, let's break that up, that up, though, in four sections. And we'll do this, okay? The Bible's real specific about the first one. It says they failed to contemplate Jesus' action, right? And here's the deal. Here's the deal. We 
like them, rarely, I think, in our day, have a purposeful time of thinking over the things Jesus says and does. Does that sound true to us? We may act like we do, and we may pretend to, right? Or we may, for six minutes at a stoplight, that does not, that does not count. I mean, it does count, but it, don't, let's not lie to ourselves, right? And Mark says they just didn't understand what he had done, and so they missed him the next time he acted, right? They were confused the next time he worked in their life because they didn't think about the last time. And here's the deal. If we're going to contemplate the actions Jesus says and does, we, we can no longer just read our Bibles like it's a quota. And you know what else we can't do? We can't just keep saying we've got to read our Bibles. That, that time in our lives as Jesus followers has to, has to change. We've all heard people talk about, you need to read your Bible. You need to see the acts of Jesus. There's a, there's a reason for that. The reason is, we need to contemplate and enjoy and think on and love the acts of our God. But we can't do that if we don't know them. If, if we don't know that he walked out on water in that funny way, how can we enjoy it, right? That's simple. It's simplistic, but it, it's true. You, you and I, we can't contemplate the loaves and the fish unless we start reading about the loaves and the fish. Just, let's be honest with ourselves. We don't read the Bible enough to know the acts of Jesus. Right? Right? We wonder why we don't understand what Jesus is doing in our life in the present. Probably because we don't know the way he works in people's lives then. And that's, that's me too. This is not me saying, you know, this. This is, this is me. I'm with you. Right? At, at ANC, we've, we've been talking lately. Um, I think our restore group is like the last one to do this. Which is not good because I'm talking about this today. And then we're not doing this actively until tonight. But some restore groups, if you're in a restore group, some of, some of you have decided that you want to actually contemplate the things of Jesus. And so what you're doing is, is there's an email that goes out and it says, here is the passage we will read today. What are your thoughts? Right? So what happens is, the, I think the ones that are doing that, some guys do that and then a group of ladies does that or maybe they all do that together. But it's a quick little, oh, here's a blurb about that. Here's what stood out to me in this way. And so the next person now has the act of Jesus they read, someone's thought on the act of Jesus, and they say, oh, both intriguing, I'll put in my two cents. So they put in their two cents. It does not have to be theologically accurate, probably, for it to be fun. I'm almost positive that it would be more fun if it's not. Anyway, so that's what they do, right? And then the third person says, oh, two great thoughts and an act of Jesus. I will also comment on that, right? And so that starts happening. And, and before people know it, in our head, three times a day, maybe just you're the last one to comment, but we've had time and we've given ourselves margin to now actually think through and purposefully come up with some sort of thought on an act of our God. Simple, overly, overly simplistic, right? If we shared, if that was our discipleship plan, we shared with other churches, they would, they would think that it's simplistic and funny. And we would say, it's working for those restore groups, and they are loving the Bible. They are loving reading Scripture. 
we won't stop that. Right? Anything. Something, anything. So that we can enjoy the words of God. Right? Something. And this too... Well, let's, let's move on. We'll, we'll get to it. Um, why in the Old Testament do we think, and do I think, Jesus told people, told the, the Hebrews, not Jesus, God tells the Hebrews, he says, write on a scroll my laws and actually hang them on your neck. Carry them in a little box so that when you have downtime, take out the scroll and read it. And when it bumps your chest as you walk, it's touching your heart. And you're remembering, oh, that thing that's touching my heart, that's a scroll with the words of my God to me and to his people. That They did that stuff. Jesus, I'm saying Jesus a lot. God, over and over, through the psalmist, continues to say, remember, remember, remember the laws of our God. David, over and over, says, I meditate on God's laws day and night. Thus, he is a man after God's own heart. Right? It, it kind of becomes part of him. Jeremiah, there's this crazy thing that happens when Jeremiah is called to be a prophet. God tells him, do you see this scroll with my words? Eat the scroll. Okay? And we quickly think like, oh, he means really like it. Like it's, no, he says, put it into your mouth, chew it, swallow the scroll. Do that for me. And Jeremiah says, yeah, that that sounds awesome. So he eats the scroll and God says, what does it taste like? Does anyone know what he says it tastes like? Not paper or vellum or sheepskin he says it tastes like honey to my tongue yet afterwards it is bitter right he says eating your words are sweet to me but when i realize who i am it sometimes makes me kind of he's basically saying in a hebrew way sometimes it makes me sad though right he eats the scroll of god God shows us a picture of someone really, really liking the word, right? Really, really liking the acts of God so much that he ingests it and it is sweet going down. This word picture that we can only think is silly because I really worry we don't understand how to inhale the actions of our God, right? How to feast on the words of Jesus, how to really look at the actions of Jesus and sit on them and think of them and chew them and swallow them down and enjoy them to the point to where when something happens in our life, we recognize God is speaking to me. He wants me to act or maybe I should change my direction. Maybe I should speak to my wife differently because we are fully contemplative people in accordance with Jesus' actions. And then we have, we have something else we see from this passage. So we have to be contemplative people after we experience blessing. Okay? Here is what makes me so mad about myself. Right? I, we, my wife and I will, will pray about something. I will pray about something. It will, it will occupy my thoughts for days. I'll pray about something, pray about something, pray about something. The situation will go great or it will at least be soothed or God will act in an amazing way. And I go, oh man, that's awesome. Thanks, God. And I go about my day. I just live my life. Right? We, we do this all the time. Please, Lord, heal this person. Please, Lord, heal this person. 
this person experiences the grace of God in healing. And we say, oh man, I'm glad they're out of the hospital. Let's live our lives. And we go about our day. These guys, they served up fish sandwiches to thousands of people. Watched it continue to feed. I don't know how that looks. That's pretty weird to think about. Like if it appeared in the back, I don't know. I don't really want to, but you know what I mean? They experienced that and were amazed by that. Everyone freaks out by that and they go, man, Jesus is great. Okay, let's paddle really hard. He told us to go over there. Let's just go over there. And they go about their day. But if we would just sit and contemplate when God works in our life, and this is what I mean. I'm saying contemplate a lot. I don't mean do some crazy magical chant. That may help you, and that's awesome. What I mean is this. My wife and I, when we go on vacation or when we go to my parents' house in East Texas or when we went on our one-year anniversary, we had a little road trip. We love road tripping, like, with our souls. We love it. We love sitting down and talking. We love having that trip, right? Inevitably, the first thing we talk about when we get back in the car to go home from anywhere, it could be a really good dinner with people. It could be to a baseball game. I'm going to let you into my life and let you in on my weirdness of this. I'm going to. So this is what I say every time. Let's list our top five favorite things about that trip every time. I have a list for like every area of my life. And I'm like, let's top five. And she goes, okay. And we sit and we just think about our trip. We think about seeing my family and we talk about it. And she's like, number one, I liked when your grandma made those awesome cookies. And I say, I like cookies as well. That will go on my list. Let's share that one for number one, right? I mean, it's that cheesy. They are that silly of things. But as we talk about the trip, do you know, do you know what happens to us when we do that every time we come from a road trip or every time we go to a fancy dinner and some cool movie or a play? You know what happens? We set that memory deep. And, and I really do mean we do it on purpose. We set it deep. Almost after every single restore group, every single one, while we clean dishes, if Jeremy doesn't do it because he's a nice servant kind of guy, or Zoe did it this time, you know, whatever, I'll let him, I'll let him. Every time we talk about our favorite things that happened at restore group, every time. Favorite quotes from restore group, boom, 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 boom. Favorite thing that someone said, favorite thing we saw in someone's life, boom, boom, boom. And you know what we do? We set those relationships deep. We, we want them to be so in here that they come out. That's what we want. That's, that's what I want so badly for my life. I want to contemplate the blessings of God to me. And I for sure, I for sure know that I want to contemplate the goodness of loving my wife. And so we talk it through like dorks every time we go somewhere. It's, we love it. Sometimes we'll even do top three things you hated about that situation we were just in. (laughs) We set that deep too. (laughs) I just thought about a specific one that made me laugh hard. So, but, but set them deep. Set the blessings of our God deep in you so that you can use them later, right? Just, Just secure them in here so that they can overflow out of your life and be a blessing for someone else. Put them, put them down in the 
real places in here so that when he walks out on water, you recognize him and you cheer instead of think he's a ghost or whatever. You know what I mean? That's obviously a metaphor, but you know. He goes on too, and I think we have to couple that though. This one's harder. We have to contemplate our discipline and our suffering. This is one we don't like. This is one it's hard for me to talk about examples to you with. So I don't like them necessarily, right? But I think we know when we're being disciplined by God, right? When someone calls out something in our life that they don't like to see. We know we're with inner turmoil, with something going on. And you know what? A lot of times it's because we were the cause. Something like that. Or if it's just suffering you're going through. I remember when my, my grandpa, he was a pastor for the longest time. Just one of the most important people to me. I, I lived with him for a while growing up when my, my parents were so poor and we, we didn't have a house and all this stuff. And, and when he was dealing with cancer, we chose as a family to contemplate the times. We chose to, in the midst of suffering for us, because he is assuredly the patriarch of our family, we chose to contemplate every visit. I chose to, when I saw him a few days before he died, to ask him, what is it like to be where you are? What is it like to be dying right now? Talk to me. Let me suffer this with you. Help me. Let's do this. Let's set it deep. I don't want to forget. I want this suffering to do something to me. I don't want to just forget about it and cause it the next week, right? We do that all the time. We, God disciplines our life. He corrects us sometimes harshly. And we just say, oh, that was terrible. Let's just go about our day. Because we're embarrassed or we're ashamed. And we do it again and again and again. And we have to learn the lesson harder and harder and harder. And you know what happens? Sometimes it leads to addictions and pains that take us years if we ever get out of them. And you know what's even worse than that? Is sometimes we become so numb to the discipline of God that we don't even see our sin anymore. Because we don't contemplate our discipline. We don't sit in it and think through what we've done, what caused it, how can I not live this way? How can I change directions? How can God and I renew this and start afresh? We have to contemplate the loaves. Let's see it through. If you're dealing with suffering right now, see it through. Just see it all the way. Maybe don't run from it. Maybe don't turn an eye away from it. Don't numb your brain. Don't numb your heart. See it through. Contemplate what's happening to you. And again, I'm not saying that like it's an easy thing. If you're experiencing the discipline of God now, you know, you, you feel like you're distanced from the Lord. Contemplate why. Contemplate the conversation you have to have with him. And let's make it right. Yeah? Just like marriages. People hurt each other. And they don't fix it. They just say, I'm sorry, it's okay. And you go about your day. Instead of contemplating what has happened, contemplate the hurt, discuss it, let's deal with it, let's dive deep, let's set it and root it deep. 
so that we can maybe not experience it tomorrow. We have to contemplate those things too. And then this is the one that I want to, I want to be so encouraged too with you. It's interesting to me that there were 12 buddies, uh, recent buddies. Maybe they, they didn't grow up. They're probably so different. Some of them didn't like each other. That's fine. 12 people, 12 guys watching Jesus all the time, spending all their time with him. He does something in front of them. They have a beautiful opportunity to actually discuss that with each other on the way, on the boat, right? They, they can just talk about how crazy it was, right? They can talk about someone being ridiculous when they received the fish, or maybe they said, do you have anything else? And then the disciple wanted to punch him, but he didn't. You would never know. They could have talked about that story, right? There's all kinds of things they could have contemplated Jesus' actions in community. That is so very important for us. Um, does anyone know a group? Um, it's happened a long time ago. They don't meet anymore, as it turns out. The Inklings. Anyone heard of them? A few nods? Yeah? The Inklings. It's this group of authors that decided one day... You know, we are really talented at writing things, right? We can explain like nobody's business, right? We are good writers. We're gifted on our own. We're, we're becoming popular. We're starting to develop some sort of, sort of following and a lot of fame or whatever. And so they say, you know what we should do? Let's, let's actually talk about how to write together. And they're all experts in their field, by the way, when they start to meet together. And they say, you know what? We should... We should talk about this. We should get together. And they met at a pub called, anyone know? I'm trying to think of the name. The Eagle and the, the Horse or something? Something? Anyway, they, they meet at this pub together in England, and they just talk about writing, right? They practice writing a little bit. They write some poetry for each other. They critique other books. They have, like, book clubs some days. Some days they write things. Some days they laugh at each other. Some days they just kick it and probably talk about their wives or whatever it is. And members of that group were C.S. Lewis, J.R. Tolkien. I have them written down, and I can't find them in my notes. Lots of other really good English writers who said, we want to be better writers than we are. Let's just talk about writing. Let's contemplate this thing we love together. After the Inklings, though, came their really, really good stuff. The things you enjoy and that I enjoy from some of those writers post-inklings, by the way. They were good before. When they began meeting together and contemplating their craft and enjoying it together, something crazy happened. Awards were won. Books are still published by almost every one of the inklings. Because they decided, let's do this in community. Let's, let's make this happen together. I can't tell you how good it is sometimes just to sit and talk about God with our friends and our restorer. Last night, we went over to uh, our friend's house. We ate good food, and it was awesome, and I needed to come home because I'm going to preach today, and I was already tired, and it was a long day. Work was brutal. Everything else, blah, 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 blah. But we started talking about the first times we met each other, and we started talking about when they joined this church and why they did, and we stayed up way unreasonably too late talking about the graciousness of God leading them to this church and this group of people. And it was almost emotional for all of us talking about it. 
talking about the different paths that took us here, talking about the different paths that led to the conversation we were having. And we were just enjoying God together. We were really remembering the acts of our God, of Jesus. And I would gladly stutter through a sermon for that. That's good stuff. I promise that I love Jesus more at 2 a.m. than I did at 9 p.m. Promise. Right? That's why we want you to be involved in restore groups. Not because we want to check it off our churchy box. And not because we want to tell people we have great restore groups. We don't, we don't, the pastors, they don't care what ANC looks like to everyone else necessarily, the other churches maybe, the community, yes, but that's not why that happens. We do it because I love my restore group. I love them. We're ridiculous and we're different and we get mad at each other and we box it out sometimes and do the whole thing, but it's, it's good. That's why I say you should all be a part of restore groups because I mean it. Enjoy Jesus with someone else. Contemplate the goodness of God with other people. It's this weird, spiritually connecting, magical kind of thing that happens. When you learn to love someone that you might not have loved in the beginning just because you talk about Jesus a lot and you love it. I know we're, we're going so long at this point, but I just... I just have been super convicted this week to be a more contemplative man. To be a more contemplative husband. One day I'm going to be a dad. I've got to think that through. I don't want it to happen by happenstance to me. I don't want to just move from one crazy extreme God thing to another. I want to walk with him daily. I want to love Jesus more than I love my wife. I do. And I, I know that it's, I've got to contemplate the loaves if I want that to happen to me. And so I'm, I'm confessing to you, we have to do this. We have to, we have to eat his scripture like honey. Maybe you change from drip coffee to a French press so you can talk to your wife for five minutes. Maybe the TV gets shut off every once in a while for the love so we can think about something that matters. Maybe you do dorky lists like the Everest family in a car on the way home because you want to set memories deep, right? Something. But let's not be people who when Jesus walks by don't realize who he is and miss his presence because we didn't contemplate the loaves and the fish. Please, let's not do it. I'm afraid of being 65 and looking back and that happened to me all my life. I can't do it. I I beg the Lord to not let me. (laughs) So let's just pray about that, maybe. All right, let's pray. Lord, we... I mean, I confess, I don't know how to help people contemplate the loaves and the fish. We can talk about it for another hour, but you have to set it deep. You have to put it deep within us so it becomes a part of our life. 
You are the one that can ensure we see you and experience your joy and your presence every day. Just you. Maybe you convict some of us or call some of us or just encourage and urge some of us. Maybe opening the Bible is going to be what does it, you know? Maybe just opening it is needed. Maybe someone just needs to read it with someone else to help them enjoy it or understand a little bit. Whatever it is, help us to contemplate your scriptures so that we don't miss you. And God, I pray that we, when we experience blessing, that we would just praise you for them and think them through and set them deep so that we can build on those and our faith can grow and our hearts aren't ruined. Please set it deep with us and our sufferings and our discipline, all those things, please just root it deep in us. And God, we plead that to you. And we know you're the only one that can do it, not someone trying to convince us, not someone telling silly story. Just, it's you, please, please do it. And help us do it together. In Jesus' name.